Happy fall, everyone, and welcome to the 2022 Spirit Side Halloween Special. I'm your host, Paul James Caden, and uh, a quick word of explanation before we get into our show, our Halloween special. Uh, some of you may be thinking, oh, is he now bringing the spirit side back? Uh, the answer to that question, uh, at least at the moment, is no. Uh, this was interesting because I didn't really have a topic for this week's podcast. And uh, I happened to be looking online and I ran across this article that uh, really just kind of jumped off the page at me. And uh, I started putting together ideas for uh, the podcast. And I told my wife, I said, gee, this sounds more like uh, one of the topics I would cover in my old show, The Spirit Side. And then this light bulb just went off that I've seen uh, at least a few other people that have a podcast on YouTube or on a podcasting platform like this. And they'll do two different shows on their particular channel. And uh, it just struck me. And I said, you know, what a great idea. Why not bring the spirit side back once in a while for these special conversations that kind of fit into the genre of that show? I know a lot of people miss the spirit side. Uh, I sometimes do too. It was my first show. I loved it. And uh, this is a great way to keep the spirit or the spirit side alive. Because on that show, we talked about uh, spirituality, the paranormal, social issues, you name it, any topic, nothing was off limits, uh, but it all had the spiritual perspective or flavor, if you will. So with that being said, uh, let's launch into the Spirit Side Halloween special. And we're asking the question, can the movie Hocus Pocus 2 Unleash hell on your kids and in your home. According to Texas mother, Jamie Gooch, it absolutely can. Mrs. Gooch says that a worst case scenario is you unleash hell on your kids and in your home. The whole movie is based on witches harvesting children for blood sacrifices. She continues, do not watch this film. Everybody thinks it's fake and innocent, but they could be casting any type of spell that they want to. Anything could be coming through that TV screen into your home. Gooch explained that her family has not participated in Halloween in about four or five years because... The thought of exposing her kids to darkness pains her. Gucci's warning goes beyond just Hocus Pocus 2, as she thinks all parents need to be mindful of what media their children are consuming. I think it goes further than just a movie, says Gucci. It goes further than Halloween. It's a year-round thing. We constantly need to be cautious of what we're consuming, what we're bringing in, and what we're sending out. Gooch says 
I believe whatever comes in our home through the TV screen, there are things attached to it. I've seen for myself the things that I've watched with my own eyes or heard over a TV screen. They become manifested in real life. And then I think, oh my gosh, what did I consume? Now, to be, to be quite honest, uh, Mrs. Gooch is not entirely wrong about what she's saying here. We do have to be careful about what we consume, what we expose to our eyes and our ears. As a certified hypnotherapist and hypnotist, someone who has studied at length in the realm of uh, metaphysics and Christian metaphysics, which has to do with uh, how our thoughts affect our lives and, uh, you know, even our own physical body. Uh, it, it can be pretty dangerous to expose ourselves to certain things. When I watch TV, when the commercials come on, I generally mute them because all we hear about is prescription medications, sickness and disease, and that kind of thing is like a mantra. It is the power of suggestion. And the teacher that I learned from to become a certified hypnotherapist, his name was uh, Wayne Perkins. And uh, he said, you know, he was uh, telling us, you know, in the class that we would be surprised if we knew how many people in the advertising industry want to learn about waking hypnosis? And interestingly enough, he said a lot of TV evangelists come to these seminars to learn about waking hypnosis. Now, what is waking hypnosis? It is a statement given to someone who is not in hypnotic trance to get them to act on something. So when you see a TV commercial, you know, where they're selling a product and they'll say, get yours now. Or, you know, one of the catchphrases they would say is pick up the phone and dial, you know, uh, order yours today. You know, that is a quick uh, waking hypnosis suggestion that there's a certain amount of people that will act on it. If you have a room full of people and you say, eat cake now. There's a certain amount of people that will go and eat cake at that moment. They're very susceptible to those kinds of suggestions. And uh, it works the same. You know, uh, I used to watch a lot of the televangelists. And, you know, even after I got certified as a hypnotherapist, and you would see them use a lot of the phrases, you need to get your hands on this now. You know, God wants you to have this now. The Holy Spirit is telling you to pick up that phone and order your order your copy of not my new book or my new teaching series. Now you need this. You know, so all these little phrases they would sprinkle in that were immediate. You know, you need to, you know, you need to get this now. You need this. The Holy Spirit is telling me you need to get this now. So there's a certain amount of people that will do just that. Get their credit card, get their checkbook, order now. Uh, same thing with the drug commercials, why I mute them. Um, you know, I find a lot of them uh, 
very uh, concerning. I remember one about breast cancer a number of years ago. It started out with some, you know, music, and then there was the uh, the pink ribbon, which is the symbol of you know breast cancer survival or breast cancer awareness. And the first words after a few seconds of the music, you know, the very relaxing music, came a female voice that said, "You have breast cancer." And they played this commercial. Every commercial, first commercial during the morning news for probably almost a year. Now, if you're exposed to something like that through TV, radio, another person, you have breast cancer. You have breast cancer. Another one when I was uh, getting certified as um, a hypnotherapist and I was talking to my my uh, instructor, uh, uh, Wayne Perkins, about this. And, and we were talking about the one that was very popular that says, asthma is on the rise. And, you know, we were talking about how it's on TV, it's in magazines, it's on billboards, it's everywhere. And this kind of thing is very suggestive, very dangerous. And we wonder why so many people are getting asthma. Or thinking they have asthma. Suddenly they can't breathe. They never had asthma before. And they're going to the doctors. So this kind of thing absolutely uh, can be harmful. It can be dangerous. And watch for those catchphrases. Stay away from them. If you're watching TV and, you know, it doesn't matter, you could say, well, I don't listen to the commercials. Uh, as Mr. Perkins, my teacher, said, it doesn't matter if you're listening. Your subconscious is listening. So you may pick up your cell phone and you're doing crosswords or texting people during the commercials, but your subconscious is still hearing you have breast cancer. Several times every morning uh, or half dozen times every morning for over a year. So how's that going to affect you? Uh, possibly not very well. So Mrs. Jamie Gooch is not entirely wrong about what she's saying. Uh, but the thing of it is that's a little concerning to me is this idea when she says... Uh, watching Hocus Pocus 2, uh, they could be casting any type of spell that they want to. Anything could be coming through that TV screen into your living room. Now, this is a, uh, a very popular um, evangelical thought that every horror movie that you watch is written and produced and starring uh, people that are witches or Satanists or black magicians or satanic witches. And it's all filled with real spells and real symbols that are unleashing curses right into your home. Um, you know, really, uh, that kind of thing is, by and large, just modern-day superstition. You know, it's kind of the equivalent of saying uh, fire is a spirit and we need to worship it, you know. Um, yes, I have seen some movies where 
uh, real, real rituals are being played out on the screen. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I don't know how healthy that would be. I mean, I would agree that if, if somebody on TV is reciting these words from an ancient text or an old grimoire, uh, raising evil spirits, uh, maybe we shouldn't watch it, you know, but, but, and this is a big, but that is if they're showing the ritual in its entirety, most of them may try to be realistic, you know, and have uh, real magic or a real spell, but they go a few seconds into it and then they cut to another scene. Something else is happening. So it's not like someone's doing a ritual in your living room. But these kinds of movies, uh, you know, they're rare. It's very rare you're going to see somebody doing a real black magic ritual in a TV show or a movie on your TV screen. It's, it's incredibly rare. I've only seen it a few times in the 55 years that I've been consuming horror movies, both old and new, uh, since I was a kid. And, uh, you know, I'm also someone who studied a lot of comparative religions. I've studied a lot of different uh, religions out there, including that of Wicca, witchcraft, uh, you name it, different different folks who get into magic and, uh, you know, casting spells. And uh, there's, there's just an not a lot uh, of that that's going on. I mean, I, I would I would say if that becomes the norm, then maybe that's something we would have to sit up and take notice and say, is this healthy to watch? But Hocus Pocus 2, uh, is this using real witchcraft? Uh, you know, I watched the movie. I never watched Hocus Pocus Uh, I watched it for the very first time this year at the suggestion of a family member who loves it and says, oh, if you like Halloween, you like Halloween movies, you got to watch it, you got to watch it. So we watched it. It was kind of amusing. So we watched Hocus Pocus 2. But uh, I can tell you for and assuredly, uh, there is nothing in that movie. Hocus Pocus 1 or 2 uh, that is even remotely close to a real spell being done. Nothing. And I wonder if uh, Miss Mrs. Gooch knows that because she, she says the whole movie is based on witches harvesting children for blood sacrifices. Now, that is not true. There is nothing in the movie about blood sacrifices. Uh, there is the notion that these witches come back uh, from the dead. They have one night to live, Halloween, and they must consume the uh, the energy force or the soul of children to stay young and to live forever. Uh, but to me, this is no different than Hansel and Gretel. You know, all the old stories of, you know, the witches in the woods living in the gingerbread house that would try to trap and eat the children. I mean, these were 
uh, fairy tales of old and they weren't written by Satanists or satanic witches or uh, people that were looking to trap children and, you know, uh, make blood sacrifices, you know, to the devil or anything of that nature. Uh, They were just stories. And uh, children in society were a lot more uh, hardier back then uh, that they could tell fact from fiction. And uh, they knew there wasn't anything to it. It was just a story. If it scared their kids, well, they didn't read it to their kids. If their kids had crazy nightmares over, you know, Hansel and Gretel or Jack and the Beanstalk or whatever the case may be, uh, then they wouldn't read it to them. If it gave them nightmares, they didn't read it to them. But they didn't think witches and ghosts and demons were unleashing hell on their kids and on their family. You know, they understood fact from fiction back then. They were, I I honestly think, a, a psychologically and emotionally stronger uh, society back then. People had a better grip on reality. You know, today everything is offending somebody. It's upsetting somebody. It's uh, prejudiced against somebody or, you know, casting somebody in a, in a bad light. And then we have religious people who, you know, come up with ideas like this, you know, that Ghosts and demons and devils uh, are coming through your TV screen right into your home and they're going to unleash hell. Never have I seen anything like that happen. I believe in God. I've been, uh, you know, a believer in Christ uh, most of my life. I've known a lot of people who have very strong faith, but they like to watch their news. They like to watch their spooky stories. They handed out candy to trick-or-treaters on Halloween. Uh, They took their kids trick-or-treating. And, uh, you know, none of these people ever said, oh, boy, there's something really weird happening in my house since we went trick-or-treating or watched that movie. Never. I mean, honestly, and, you know... I hate to say it, but the only people who claim this kind of th- these kind of things happen to them are the people who are very fanatical. The kind of people who see biblical prophecy in a baseball game. You know, I remember there was a thing, uh, who was the guy? I'm not a baseball fan, but there was the guy, I think he was... Uh, he might have been on the Yankees, I don't know, but the player's name was Judge, you know... Uh, probably a lot of you know who I'm talking about. And he had this home run record um, this year. And I saw all over the internet, what does this mean? His name is Judge. Uh, You know, his number is 99, I think it was. And he hit this many home runs. And what does that mean as far as biblical prophecy goes? Well, it means Jesus is getting ready to do this and the Antichrist is getting ready to do that. And crazy things people pick out of uh, sporting events, uh, movies, songs, articles, um, the one ads for crying out loud, you know, they're seeing biblical prophecy, you know, there just seems to be this uptick in such 
superstitious mindset. I mean, Christians of old, do we realize that Halloween or All Hallows Eve or All Saints Day, many of them would sit around a bonfire and tell ghost stories? Didn't mean they worshiped the devil. Didn't mean they were casting spells. It was popular, uh, you know, m- you know, years ago to actually sit around and tell scary ghost stories on, on Christmas. Families did this. Sat around the fire Christmas Eve night or Christmas night and told scary stories. And Charles Dickinson's uh, Christmas Carol was very popular. So these people were religious. They went to church every Sunday. They were, they were good people. They didn't have, they didn't cry that there were demons in their houses or, you know, hell being unleashed on their children or on their families. You know, I, I don't think people understand when it comes to this whole phenomenon, and I've said this before and I'm not, going to get too deeply into it. But we have this phenomenon now that, uh, you know, the holidays are pagan. You're being displeasing to God. You're worshiping pagan gods. and You have all this uh, satanic, pagan, and demonic imagery with Christmas trees and jack-o'-lanterns and, oh, what that could bring into your home. Uh, you better watch out. And I did, geez, probably five, six years ago or more when I first started podcasting and doing the Spirit Side podcast, where I did uh, a video uh, on YouTube that uh, I, I talked about this, that, you know, back in, you know, when I was a kid and beyond, uh, Christians celebrated Halloween. But they didn't look at it as something that was satanic or worshiping the devil. It was just family fun. Kids dressed up as ghosts or hobos or a fairy princess or Charlie Brown or Evil Knievel, the stuntman, you know, Raggedy Ann. You know, it wasn't all monsters. I mean, there were kids that liked to dress up as that sort of thing. I was one of them. You know, when I saw somebody who was a bum or raggedy and I was like, ah, you know, that's not a Halloween costume. You got to be scary. But I wasn't worshiping the devil. My family wasn't worshiping the devil. We didn't see, you know, hell on earth released uh, upon us or in our homes doing these things. And neither did anybody else. The only people who sat there, oh, don't celebrate those holidays, don't celebrate birthdays, were fringe groups like Jehovah's Witnesses. And most people uh, thought they were very peculiar. There were even religious, uh, you know, ministers and theologians who would say, nah, that, you know, these people are, you know, kind of kind of like a, a Christian cult. And they got a lot of things that are really... Um, backwards and what they're saying about this. But there was a um, 
gentleman by the name of Jack Chick who started putting out religious tracks, and he was very anti-Catholic. And uh, he wasn't very popular. A lot of people thought that Jack Chick and his his tracts and his books, they were like, you know, this this guy's a nut bar. Uh, but somewhere uh, around the, I want to say early, mid-80s, at, at least that's when I was aware that a lot of the Jack Chick teachings uh, started to creep into a lot of churches and evangelical circles. And Jack Chick was one of those people who, oh, the holidays, this, this is satanic. This is, you know, um, demonic. And a lot of people started uh, teaching things that were from the Jack Chick publications and pamphlets uh, almost verbatim. And of course, once the uh, televangelists really started preaching this Jack Chick-esque uh, message, well, a lot of churches started uh, preaching it as well because a lot of churches at that time took their messages from the televangelists that were very popular because they wanted people in the pews on Sunday. This is what people wanted to hear. Messages like Kenneth Copeland and Creflo Dollar and T.D. Jakes and this one and that one. And, uh, you know, when they started saying, oh, those demons will come through your TV on horror movies. Oh, don't take your kids trick-or-treating. Oh, you better watch that Christmas. Well, a lot of churches started saying it. And we had this trickle-down effect where good sense just went out of the window um, and it became uh, something that really snowballed into some really wild um, modern-day superstition. And again, you know, mo most people... Um, most religious people, you know, they celebrate Christmas, they take their kids out on Halloween, you know, like people did in the old days, think nothing of it. Uh, there are others, and, and these are the people who are more uh, really influenced by the religious leaders or the people on the internet. People, when I first started the spirit side, that was something I talked about a lot how so many people have this follower uh, mentality these days. They will look for anyone who will tell them what sounds to be the truth, whether it is or not, if it sounds plausible. If the teacher or the preacher sounds uh, halfway like he knows what he's talking about and he sounds confident, and here we go with that uh, power of suggestion again, we have... You know, with the um, the era of YouTube and the Internet, we can go anywhere and, and, and see people with that very serious look. And they look, you know, like they're very confident saying, you know, I'm telling you right now, you know, you better not do this. And this is evil. And you think I'm joking? You think I'm making this up? Let's go to the, you know, <laughs> however they put it, very um, a lot of authority behind their words and, and, and that is something that will catch people and they'll start falling into these uh, menageries and uh, when it started happening in uh, around the mid 80s as it got more popular 
uh, is when you started seeing more people who are supposed to be Christian out there at Halloween. Uh, when a little kid would knock on their door for trick or treat, they'd open the door and uh, spray raid in their faces. Now that's uh, a wonderful Christian thing to be doing. And a lot of people did it back then. They would open the door and yell at people. They would throw hot water at them. They would spray bug spray in their faces. They would open the door and grab the trick-or-treat bag from these little kids and just throw them out in the middle of the road and then hand them a Bible tract and tell them they better go home and get saved and get their parents saved. It was, it was flipping nutty is what it was. But here we are in 2022, still, still following in the footsteps of this kind of fanaticism that I've seen born into uh, different Christian sects and denominations and individuals right before my very eyes. As I said in that first Halloween show, five, six, seven years ago, however long it was, uh, I seen when this began to happen. I seen when there began to be this fanatical turn uh, where suddenly uh, a lot of Christians were acting like Jehovah's Witnesses. You know, those, oh, those satanic holidays. You bend over to pick up a present from underneath the Christmas tree. You're inadvertently bowing to the tree goddess, uh, one guy said. And I've used that example before in shows. Take your kids out trick-or-treating dressed as ghosts and goblins. Oh, well, that's, you know, that's drawing demons. That's showing worship to Lucifer. People seem to be completely absent of the fact that worship is an act of the mind, the will, and the heart. You don't inadvertently worship a pagan tree goddess by bending over in front of a Christmas tree and picking up a gift. You're not inadvertently secretly worshiping Satan by having a pumpkin in your house with a face carved in it. To some people, it's just decoration. And I might add, those people are not having demons crawling all over the walls of their houses. Halloween is over. They blow out the candle. They throw out the pumpkin. They go on to the next thing. They're not having trouble with their children being possessed or living, you know, the events of the Amityville horror in their, in their homes. It's, it's just not happening. You know, so people have to understand worship is of the mind, the will, and the heart. And any good scholar and theologian will tell you this. It is impossible for a Christian person to be worshiping the devil or a pagan god or a goddess just by celebrating a secular holiday. To them is just a secular holiday. 
and maybe they come home at night and have some cider and donuts and watch a scary movie. Boy, you know, uh, let's get the babies on, you know, let's get the children on the altar and sacrifice them to the devil. You know, we might as well doing something like that, right? Don't eat those Reese's peanut butter pumpkins. I mean, that, that stuff is cursed. And that's another one I've heard recently. Don't eat Halloween candy because the people who make it put spells on the candy and curse it. And when you eat it, you're eating the curse or the spell. Oh, my God. Do we realize what we're saying? There's no truth to that at all. I've known people that worked in the Hershey chocolate factory for crying out loud. Good people. You think if at Halloween time they had witches and Satanists in there, you know, putting, you know, a pox, a pox on you over the, the Halloween candy in October, uh, they would have run, ran for the hills. It's not happening. Where do we come up with this stuff? There is a gentleman on YouTube called R.L. Solberg. That's R period, L period, S-O-L-B-E-R-G. He is a Christian. He is a professor. Uh, He has videos on his YouTube channel. And if you scroll through his videos, He has some videos on asking, is Christmas a pagan holiday? Is Easter a pagan holiday? Are are we in danger? Are Christians in danger by celebrating uh, these holidays? And, of course, his answer is no. And he walks through. He's a very positive guy. He's not, uh, you know, browbeating. He's not, you know, uh, stone-faced and shouting. Uh, he's a very pleasant individual, and I'm hoping one day to actually have him on uh, my regular show, The Angel Scrolls Project. I'd, I'd really like to talk to him. He seems like he's a really nice, nice man. And I'll leave a link in the podcast description that you can copy and paste uh, to go to his YouTube channel. And, you know, look at his videos describing about, you know, Christmas and Easter and are these pagan holidays we need to fear and stay away from. Uh, He does a wonderful job of explaining some things and, you know, hopefully uh, breaking some of this uh, superstitious spell that so many people are under. And that seems to be the only spell a lot of people are under when it comes to Halloween. Never mind Hocus Pocus. Never mind, you know, the the Halloween candy and the costumes and the jack-o'-lanterns. Let's talk about the religious superstition that's making people live in fear. That's making a mockery out of religion, a mockery out of God, a mockery out of the Bible, a mockery out of Jesus by saying such crazy things about having a bunch of witches and satanic witches come into candy factories at Halloween time. And curse the candy. Put spells on the candy. You know, that in Hocus Pocus 2, you know, Bette Midler and Sarah Jessica Parker and Kathy Jimney, who, you know, are the stars of this show, uh, are casting real spells, you know, to unleash hell into your living room. They're not. There's not trust me on this when I tell you 
there is not one iota of real magic in that show. Nothing. The only magic in Hocus Pocus and Hocus Pocus 2 is that akin to something you would find in an old Mother Goose or Grimm's fairy tale. Made up stuff. There's nothing real about it. Nobody's casting any spell they want to to uh, release hell into your home and upon your children. And nor is there anything in the movie about witches, witches harvesting children for blood sacrifices. I don't even know where that came from. Well, obviously, this person doesn't even watch any of these kind of movies. So right there, she's going by hearsay, which a lot of these overly religious evangelical uh, evangelical people do. They hear by word of mouth or a pastor gets up there and says, I'm telling you, this movie Hocus Pocus 2, which is supposed to be for children, your children are watching it. And it is filled with uh, stories of witches harvesting children for blood sacrifices. And the congregation goes, oh my God. But meantime, nobody watched the movie. They're going by rumor and hearsay that somebody else in their overly superstitious mind heard or came up with and, oh my God, on a Disney Halloween movie, there's witches doing blood sacrifices for, of children. See, this is the kind of thing I'm talking about. This is the kind of thing that has always happened in the more fanatical, fundamentalist, evangelical religious circles. Just like people would say, oh, these rock bands were satanic. Led Zeppelin was satanic. Kiss was satanic. Iron Maiden was satanic. Remember those bands from the 80s? Uh, Iron Maiden was not satanic. They, they weren't religious people, but they were a group of people, you know, a group of guys from the UK that were interested in this sort of thing. All the stories of, you know, religion and uh, the supernatural and the afterlife and the, their album. Uh, what was the one that really had attention back in the day? I was quite young when it came out. It was um, the number of the beast or something like that. And, uh, boy, that was a satanic album. No, it was a, an album that they made because they were fascinated with the story of the Antichrist in the Bible, and that's what inspired the album. Kiss, they were satanic. Knights in Satan's service. Let's never mind that two of the uh, members were Jewish, though they were non-practicing Jewish, and the other two were Catholic. How do you figure? Oh, no, I'm sorry. Three of them were, were Jewish. And one was Catholic. And the original drummer, Peter Chris, in the band, he was Catholic. He left. He was replaced by Eric Carr. And, you know, they were still saying at that time, Knights in Satan's service, 
Kiss is a satanic band. I actually knew Eric Carr. I became acquainted with him in uh, the mid-latter 80s, and I knew his parents. And they were deeply religious people. And Eric Carr, his mother told me when he was like on the tour bus or flying, you know, going, you know, doing these tours, he was often took a stack of Christian religious books with him. He, he loved that guy, Charles Stanley, the, uh, the older guy, uh, the, um, I forget what church he, he ran, but that, that whole entire family, they loved Charles Stanley. They loved religion. They were, they were always like, you know, reading and studying and watching and, you know, I, I would talk about it with them. So right there, they were not satanic or writing satanic lyrics. I read a thing after Eric Carr died. Sadly, he passed away of uh, cancer. And uh, it was 1991 or 1992. And years later, I saw an article on the internet that said, um, rock stars that died an early death because they had, um, you know, had laid leagues with Satan because of their rock band and their lyrics and the things that they practice. And there was Eric Carr's name on the list. And I just shook my head and I said, my God, people just go by hearsay. They go by rumor. They go by religious, uh, untruth and judging others and these crazy stories people come up with and they ought to be ashamed really they ought to be ashamed sometime because this isn't religious this isn't christian spraying raid in the faces of kids trick-or-treating grabbing their bags of candy and throwing them out in the middle of the road pushing them off of your porch hitting them with eggs, hitting them with rotten tomatoes. Christian families doing these things to little kids trick-or-treating on Halloween because Halloween is the devil's night. Coming up with crazy stories. Witches casting spells and putting curses on Halloween candy. Hocus Pocus 2 doing any spell they want to unleash hell into your living room. And there's not even anything real in the movie. Oh, these satanic rock bands. Oh, man, they're in league with the devil. Don't let your kids listen to these. Look at this guy. You know, he died. He died young because he was in one of these satanic rock bands, Kiss. And meanwhile, him and his parents were some of the nicest sweetest, soft-spoken, generous Christian people you ever wanted to meet. And I know because I talked to them. And I stood and I sat there and had many conversations with them about religion, about Jesus, about things in the Bible, about faith, about the end times. What a shame. What a shame that we come up with these fairy tales and lies. 
and push them out there as truth and scare people and frighten people and judge people. And that is the kind of thing that is harming religion. That is the kind of thing that is harming the name of God, the name of Christ, and making it nothing but a parody of itself. And we need to stop. So no, ladies and gentlemen, and no, Jamie Gooch. Hocus Pocus 2 is not casting spells into your living room. It will not unleash hell on your children and in your home. That is a myth. That is a story. It has nothing to do with witches doing gathering children for blood sacrifices. Maybe watch the movie before you speak, because here's the thing. In those kind of religious circles and sects, most of the time we're getting untruths or down and out, and I hate to say it, lies from the pulpit. Do you know how many other religions I heard twisted and demonized from the pulpit and televangelists back in the day? Oh my God, Buddhists believe in that. Oh my God, Muslims believe in that. Oh my God, these people believe in that? And then when I started doing studies on comparative religion, I found out they didn't believe in that. They didn't do that. Stories, untruths, and sometimes, more times than we, I would like to admit back in the day, out and out lies. So please do your research before you speak on these things. Please understand what you're talking about. Because this kind of thing just makes religious people look crazy. Makes us look like a bunch of nuts. And nobody wants that. So folks... I hope you enjoyed the Spirit Side Halloween special. I hope you got a little something out of it today. I'll see you in my next podcast. Until next time, happy fall, dare I say happy Halloween, and God bless. <laughs>